0: Yeah. Oh god. Is that Shine, formerly of Bad Boy Records, currently deported after ten years in jail?
1: It may or may not be, but that's none of your goddamn business.
0: Oh, that sounds that sounds like something <laughs> Shine would have said.
2: Yep, there we go. Welcome to Bad oh. Talk, everybody. It's good to be back. Everyone uh, say hello. Howdy. Oh ho! Yeah, see there we go. Like like that was like the saddest shit I've ever heard. Eric, can I get that one more time? Melissa, we'll can we act like we're excited to be on Big Baby Talk this week? <laughs> <laughs> Woo-yay! Woo-yay, okay, cool. Let's this just... Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> I have my iced
1: tea, and I'm sitting in my room, and I'm just sitting here sipping and watching, Water. you know, watching Dawson's Ollie. Creek. and That's <laughs> probably what <Creek. laughs> she's doing. Oh, hey, oh, hey, hey, hey,
3: I'm basic, but I'm not right that now. basic.
2: Oh, that's so debatable. Says to the
1: girl with a good Charlotte poster behind her.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge me! I
1: didn't Get even do it this them. week, right, see?
2: But... Here's the thing, typically it's me making fun of Melissa for a good Charlotte Charlotte shit, but I'm so glad that someone else is able to really appreciate how awful.
1: Listen, we said when I was sorry. coming on this interview that it was, I am not pulling any punches and I'm coming out fucking swinging, <laughs> it's, so it's I'm sorry. Nothing against what? you, what? Melissa. No, nothing against anybody. It's just, I'm sorry. It, I'm, watch out, uh,
0: Madden Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> watch out. Right well. Wow, uh, yeah, Ollie, now, I'm not going to yell excite. Ollie, I'm not going to yell excitedly because I have a sleeping infant upstairs, and I'm just trying to do the responsible thing. Mm. Yep, as All an right. adult here, here go, and guys. a father.
1: Oh, I'm a father and I have kids, so everything I do is more important than everything else that everybody else does. So yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm 32 <laughs> years old. I've been doing shows for 17 years. I collect comic books and toys. You can't impress me. I'm sorry.
2: This week we have Paul Brown, a 1787 collector. <laughs>
1: I'm just getting my drinks ready for the. Hold on.
0: Nice. Yep. All right. There we go. Paul, Normal. you collect comic books. Um, I do. I might be able. I might be able to impress you. I've uh, I've top aided a Star City Games Magic the Gathering uh, event. Is that? Uh, is that go on. <laughs> Uh, take your shirt off and we'll tell you more. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how big my big black deck is.
1: That is for Babe Talk After Dark, and I'm not ready to commit to that just yet.
2: (laughs) Which will actually be premiering right after this episode. So, um, co-hosting this show tonight, of course, we have Melissa. (laughs) What's up? What's up? And I have Eric Navarro that's been, now, going to come back on shows and stuff, which is going to be fun. Yes. And, of course, I'm Ollie. Um... Let's start to show off. Uh, every week I ask our guests um, how their day was, and today I'm gonna ask um, Melissa first. Yes. How was your week, Melissa? You how was your month? Actually, wow, it's, it's been a month. Can really we just appreciate? <laughs> it like has been so a month love, since we've wow. we've been on the show. I think I think it's safe to say we can just ask. How was your October?
3: Well.
1: Yep. Same. absolutely. <laughs> At- how <laughs> How was your October?
2: <laughs> <laughs> just just gone. Strokey a little bit. Well, how how was your year your October? Let, let's start there and we'll see if Melissa comes back.
3: What not hear a word yes. just said. I don't just you. Listen,
1: okay, could somebody please get Melissa off her fucking DSL modem and into the twentieth <laughs> century with internet? Because this is killing me here.
0: Paul, can you do an impression of what her uh, her her dial-up modem probably sounds like? Uh
2: uh, 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 it's like a, it's uh, a T. Uh, okay. <laughs> doing <want> to- <laughs> it, It's it's like reverse Vogue or like Vogue of twenty-four Reverse Vogue. Yeah. Uh, oh God, boys. Wait. Well, hey, hey,
3: well, me... Are you here? Are you here? Yeah. If you give me five minutes, I like, can. Probably fix it. I just have to go downstairs. Okay. <laughs> install Google Fiber You're while going. we're
1: gone. So, so uh, we'd like we'd like to welcome Melissa from Napster 1997.
2: Uh, <laughs> she's actually stealing ben, ben. Oh wait, no, Melissa, you had to like go install an AOL CCD. Yeah, get like, another few, few gonna... hours of um internet.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I gotta. So got
1: to she's Gonna
2: put in yeah, one of those
0: 400 yeah. hour disks from AOL. Can All you right, do that for us. Yeah,
3: basically. Eric, how, how
2: how how was your month? How was your October?
0: Better than my cubbies October, that's for sure. But um, no, it's pretty good. Mm. I um I got my first. Uh, you know, I've been doing all the acoustic stuff this year. Yeah. I got my first uh, piece of physical uh, merch. A cassette, oh, nice, good for you. Which man. I've never had before. That uh, this dude I did a split with. Um, shout is out. Is Melissa to her. rubbing
1: her butt on the camera? What is going on here? <laughs> Why is she still activated? Can we just terminate her? Look at this. Can we terminate her feed for like 30 seconds until she... There we Good go. Good call.
2: There, there there, we go. She, she, she's hidden for the time being. I thought my October was getting better, but it's November. No,
0: um, no I did a split with my... i got to give a shout out to my buddy Dave uh, from Gnarly Wales, one of my favorite band names ever. We did a folk-punk split, and he sent me up a bunch of cassettes. We are just going to do it online, and he pressed a bunch of cassettes and sent them. And apparently, people buy these things. I've sold more cassettes than CDs. It's so weird. Like,
2: like, like, cassettes are now the new vinyl. Like, I've never seen anything uh, which really blow up. I made that joke about a year and a half ago on a
0: podcast of, Oh, hipsters love vinyl. What's next? Cassettes? And, and uh, yeah, turns I, out I was right.
2: Clockwork. it's so fucking weird.
0: Yeah, what are we going to have, fucking Betamax and, like, 8-Tracks well, is the next eight thing tracks that we're going to put
2: out? Yes, thank you. Yeah.
1: Is it bad that I, I I am upset at what you're talking about because I've watched all this happen originally, and now I'm <laughs> hearing people talking about it 17 years, 20 years later? God. Good, uh, sir. Good, sir. I know you're 32, and that's impressive. I'm 29, so
0: I still came up in the cassette era. I do okay. recall that. And that was, uh, yeah, I thought we were done with those. I thought it was over. Are you using your parents' dial-up connection now? You look like you're in a much nicer room. <laughs>
2: I know, right? Yes. <laughs> Damn, yes,
0: just
3: I
2: snuck know. right in there. Yeah. Stealing shit. All right, well, Eric, that's awesome. Um, Melissa, how, how was your October?
3: It was pretty good. Um, I got to be stage manager for a show, and it led to a job at the Crowfoot, which is a venue. Um, nice. Great um So I'm pretty excited about that. Still have my day job, but this is a nice little perk. So.
2: Yeah. Well there you go. Um was it just like a one and off uh show or were you doing uh, multiple days?
3: Um well for like the stage management what happened was um I got to shadow somebody that was working there. And they're like, "Oh, hey, like I like your style. Like come work security for us." So now I work security, which I know me being security what the heck. Can't really see that, but I mean. Oh no, I, hey. I would
2: actually pay 2C see, see that happen Yeah, stop fighting. No. I come to
3: Michigan. Oh Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You are, oh, yeah. I'm, if you're anywhere
0: near Detroit, I believe it. I believe you. You can, <laughs> you can take them. I got
3: gotcha.
2: you. Just be like, oh, no, no, you know what? Are they, are they fighting? Just have it. Just have at it. I, I don't want to yeah, give it. Yeah. No. Basically. <laughs> hey, Paul. So, uh,
0: how's your October been?
2: You
1: know
0: what? <laughs>
3: Oh boy!
2: We have <laughs> so much out. time. We have so much time. We have so much time.
1: I'm glad you. i glad. I'm glad you gave us the nine o'clock till three a.m. spot on Babe Talk tonight because you know what? <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears. Oh boy! We're
0: still... <laughs> oh shit! No, no, sir.
1: No, I'm just kidding. My October was good. It was busy. I honestly, I only did one show the entire month of October, and it was on the very last day of October, and. I was still kind of miserable doing the show. I don't know what you want me to say. So, it, it, I, being an extremely busy human being as I am lately, doing shows for as long as I've done them and not to be like that, uh, I've been doing this, blah, 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 as long as I have, It's it, it's tough because at a certain point in life you have things that are really, really working out for you. You have things that kind of give you a little bit of resistance and then you have things that are just kind of like starting to sort of drag you down. Now, The Halloween show that 1787 Collective does and the anniversary show have typically been the biggest shows of every year. So we did the Halloween show this year. It wasn't as great as Halloween shows in the past years, but that also has to do with the fact that there were so many other Halloween shows happening around the time. My month of October wasn't bad. It was a cool October. It was fun. Enjoyed myself. We did the Bizarre AC convention at the Chelsea. It was cool. It was a fun weekend of, you know, spooktacular, cool, unique, weird stuff. But, you know, it's... It, extremely busy is, I guess, the best way that I could put my October.
2: I'm pretty sure you can just like, you know, fit your life into to just like a extremely busy. <laughs> like, 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 if you saw your 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 MySpace, your default picture would just be extremely busy.
1: Right. Like, it's just that that emoji. That's just like. <laughs> it's <nice. laughs> just, right. just like
2: completely dead. It's just, just yeah. like.
1: Totally
2: busy. Well, actually, you know what? Um, Eric and Melissa, this bizarre AC convention thing was a horror um, convention which happens in Atlantic City. But Paul, why why, why don't you tell them the the big feature that was over there because I still think that was one of the coolest things that I've experienced.
1: So what we did, I don't know if you guys ever go to haunts or haunted hayrides and things like that. Creamy Acres, Eastern State Penitentiary, Bates Motel, uh, Terror in the Junkyard in Egg Harbor Township, stuff like that. What we did was we did the Chelsea Hotel in Atlantic City, which is right next to Tropicana, And we took an entire level of the parking garage at the Chelsea, and we turned it into a post-apocalyptic, kind of like zombie outbreak war zone style course. So you had car accidents, you had suitcases left all over, you had quarantine zones and all that sort of stuff, all the while with armed guards, myself, who was one of the armed guards, zombies walking around, infected people, and you had... Flags on your waist you would tie flags on your waist like flag football if you've ever played that so you would actually have to make it to the end of the course without being bitten and being bitten was having one of your flags taken so you kind of had to like juke and escape the zombies and stuff like that so we did that all weekend The character that I played, I had to get tackled into a bunch of tables and chairs every single time a party came through. So it equated equated to something like 75, 80, 100 times getting Goldberg tackle speared into tables and chairs. And, you know, it was awesome. It was a a fun environment, but it was also a learning experience. It was cool to do something like that because... I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Brigantine Castle if you're not familiar with it take you know look it up after we get done with this tonight but nothing has been done in Atlantic City with an immersive experience such as cool. the haunt the terrifying type stuff in the area in over 30 years so we got to we got to do that and it was it was really satisfying to do but I'm still recovering from it <laughs>
0: Dude, that's awesome. I Uh, I did one of those run for your life zombie 5K things, which reminds me a lot of what you're saying. What you're saying, actually, with the tackling, seems more immersive. Ours was more like family-friendly. Right, well,
1: immersive for me, not for, say, the, the actors, so to speak. I was dressed in like tactical SWAT yeah. gear. I yeah. was like, all right, folks, I need you to come with me. What am I gonna need <laughs> well, you to cool. do? And yeah. then boom, out of nowhere I get blindsided by a zombie and I tell the people to run to their safety. No, I, so uh... I think for ours they got people from a local
0: theater. Cause there was one point where I was waiting, I ran into a five K quickly and then I got out of breath after like a minute. And so I was waiting for my wife and uh, and our other friends to catch up and like one of the zombie actors came by and grabbed one of my flags. And I was like, yeah, that's fine, but do you mind if I just stand here and waiting for people and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, uh, my mistake. Well, yeah, yeah and then, you know.
2: Funny. <laughs> what, did you have, like, Christopher Walken as, as a zombie? Like. <laughs>
0: no,
1: I had no zombie. Um, I just want to God. eat your brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my impression of, that's how bad I am
0: at <laughs> act. That's how when I try to impersonate an actor. You know, <laughs> it like, just it's actually right? William Shatner was the zombie.
2: William Shat- I mean, like, they're both inexchangeable, so I mean, like, they pretty much just say the same thing. Yeah. So, well, actually, um, yeah. Yeah. Stuff. I was
0: going to make a joke that was going to bomb, and so I was like, why don't I just plow right through it? And then I realized I'm still interrupting anyway. Go on, oh, wait, Ollie, no, go on. Your
2: hook. I, I'm going to use you as a hook. So, um, this as is the Apollo as, Theater. As, as everyone knows, that we've been on hiatus for about, about, about a month. Um, within the next year, we're actually going to be seeing some changes coming. Um, we're still accepting sponsorships. So, if anyone wants to sponsor the podcast, um, we're looking for open opportunities. Hit me up, ollie at TV. And starting within December, what month are we in? November? December, we're actually going to be going to two nights a week. So, you're going to be seeing our pretty faces on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Look forward to it. Okay. All right, so um just to the show. Um, so I don't know if anyone else has been um, keeping up with random band news. Um, we had a chance to talk, talk about Good Charlotte and also Evanescence, uh. but I don't want to give Melissa any more of like a ladyboarder this year, but he has because I'm pretty sure it starts get really <laughs> exclusive on the show.
3: Oh, but Good Charlotte, yay! They but so good you did you just
2: wake her up inside?
3: <laughs> I can't wake up.
0: She's actually happy as if it's her, her birthday right now. But really, I am. <laughs> that song was banging. I don't give a shit what anybody
3: says.
0: <laughs> a, what, birthday? Or Evanescence? I don't know. I mean, sure. I'll be... You know what? I've decided to stop being so harsh on everything. All of it. It's all good. It's, it's all good. I'm all corporate good. Eric now. It's, it's no. all, it's good. all it's good. good. It's all good. <laughs> corporate <laughs>
2: America. Live Nation. <laughs> oh, the HBSCs will get that one. Um, yeah. Okay, so... Um, Victory Records, can we talk about this for a quick minute? Oh, okay. no. No. No.
1: <laughs> no. Why are we talking... No. Because... We- no, listen. Why are we talking about shit. Victory Records? 17 years after the point where Victory Records fucking bombed, why are we still talking about Victory Records? Why do they matter? Because... Why are, they talking? They are almost talking... Because they are almost single-handedly
0: breaking my favorite band up, and it hurts me so deeply... And Ooh, I yeah. saw them, last time I saw Streetlight Manifesto was a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. And the day after, the day after I saw them, like when I saw them, they, uh, Tom mentioned, Oh yeah, you guys are probably going to hear us in, uh, in the news tomorrow. He's getting sued for $5 million from Victory Records. Because Victory Records that.
2: actually had, like, screwed themselves, and now yeah. they're like, if, if Okay, so here's a whole, like, yeah. discussion. Yeah, give here. the audience a uh, yeah. summary of, of the situation. Audience audience story of victory records long ago there was a record label so what, what's happening is that um they took their stuff off of spotify because they pulled a bitch fit like Taylor Taylor Swift and was like you know what if we're not gonna get all the money that we're entitled to for being a digital streaming revenue blah, blah 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 then we're gonna take all our shit off and Spotify said okay and then so they took all their shit off of Spotify and Spotify said I don't give a shit which is ironic Victor because Records they're naturally
0: cinema. known for not giving their own artists royalties.
2: Exactly, like like there have been like royalty <laughs> issues within Victory Records
0: for like the longest time. Oh, and except now, for did you? Sorry, no. Go for it. Go for it. I have an interesting tidbit.
2: When you're done. Okay, so so now we're we're like what like two weeks later afterwards, and Victory Records went to Spotify and said like, "Hey, we're going to start start laying off some of our people if you don't." You know, put our stuff back on, if we can't <laughs> negotiate to a proper contract. Con-
1: bullshit.
2: S- Tony Victory is, like, is
1: bullshit. Tony <laughs> Victory has is, been bullshit for almost 20 years.
2: Which is hysterical. I'm like, how it a ploy? Can you, can you just like look over nope. at someone and say, like, hey, we're gonna do this if you don't do this. And it's like, well, you a ploy. took your toys away and now you're threatening yeah. to destroy your own toys. That's kind of what
0: Papa John's toys. did about Obamacare. Right.
2: Mm. What a parallel.
1: That's I'm not sorry, a terrible that's analogy, actually.
0: one thing that was what I thought was so funny. Um, if I don't know if any of you listen to Matt Pryor cool, from the Get Up Kids podcast, he had um what's his name uh the uh, uh John Nolan from Taking Back Sunday on. Yeah. yeah. And Stray he asked him running. about it, yeah. It's, well, I love Straight Around, Holy shit! Um, but he had him on and he was asking him about like oh, so could you tell us a little bit about Victory? And John Nolan was laughing because he was like, "I know all the stories. I've heard from all the bands. They did nothing but treat us well and pay us really good." <laughs> and it's like, for whatever reason, <laughs> that dude had such a hard on for TBS that like he was a completely different person with that band, and they had no complaints. It's the weirdest thing. Well, I mean, like that—that—that like yeah. that,
2: that, that would be like Acon like loving Lady Gaga because like Red, Red One is Acon's record label, which Lady Gaga has signed on to, and like, gonna take your
1: word on that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> like, 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 could you shit talk anything to Lady Gaga? Sure thing, for? Ollie. Yeah, yeah, but you <laughs> yeah, all, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah, but you also know that Lady Gaga quit the music business because she was tired of being used as a front I for just making saw. money. I, yep. yep I just
0: oh, not that. not yep. because not because her latest album was a, and I actually know this from an inside source, a seventy-five million dollar flop that got a lot of people uh, fired and pretty much
1: blacklisted uh, from the music production. Shit. Game. For real. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, that's why you TV. should just keep it real and stay punk. That's all.
3: There
0: you there go. You, go. you should that. keep it real and stay punk. That's
2: the, yep. that stay punk. <laughs> that's the mentality that we all need to have. Stay punk. I agree. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that meat dress. She I feel like, like a right Sex Pistols would have that me. meat dress.
3: I wouldn't be
1: surprised with
3: right now. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, Ollie, Ollie,
1: can you tell your girlfriend Lindsay to stop texting my girlfriend so that way they're talking to each other about they can see each other on the fucking.
2: Hey, Lindsay. Hi.
1: Welcome to Baytuck, everybody. Let
2: me come and fuck up your podcast. Hey,
1: Paul, what's in her cup?
0: What's that? Oh, I what's, love it. What's in her drink? What's in her drink She's is right. wine. I'm actually wine.
3: drinking out of Lindsay's wine
2: glass. Oh, she made
0: me for my birthday. I love oh how, how like, wow. even
3: though
2: like, this podcast is like millions she of bottles apart from see everybody, you. it's still all. real. Right I see here. you. <laughs> No wait, hold on. Now the reason why why we might have the liberated cat is because Paul actually runs a um a side project. Oh my project. God, and I Jeremy you can, can see
3: pause. me too. So shout, shout
2: out to everybody shout out to lindsey shout out to jeremy <laughs> i'm so happy right now <laughs> but so paul why why were you guys drinking earlier today so
1: here's the reason why we're drinking <laughs> and i realized i just said wheezing so we're the drinking sir oh yeah. so you don't want yeah. to do that yeah here's, here's a reason right here. why we're still drinking sorry ollie First you, so... you, you <laughs> did it i did it because you did it that's all that's the only reason
2: I'm pretty sure that's the excuse all the kids give. Just be like, oh, my black friend did it first. It's I really, yeah,
1: right, me too. I really
0: thought, whoa, I really thought he was doing Jar Jar Binks'
1: depression at first. No, come on. Me so drunk and you survive the website. Let's
2: stop beating around the bush and finally address that Jar Jar Binks was actually just someone in like really, really old blackface. For yeah, the most part, like, 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 No, Jar Jar
1: Binks or. is the Al Jolson of Star Wars.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, pretty much, exactly. exactly. And
1: don't get me started okay. on those
0: obviously Asian stereotypes, miners or whatever they were, the trade fiction okay. guys.
1: So, the reason why I've been drinking tonight is that my beautiful, lovely counterpart, who for once in this podcast is not in frame next to me, Ollie, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We run a YouTube channel called Comic Trips. We're kind of like, if you've ever watched that show, American Pickers, but it's all for toys and comic books and things like that. What we do is, every now and then, we film what's called a drunk toy review. So we go to the (laughs) store, we buy a toy, we drink a whole lot, and then we review it. We just got done doing a drunk toy review before we hopped on this podcast, and I'm still drinking. So, as if I had anything to hold back Prior to prior this, to. prior to this happening, the, the incentive for me to hold back is even less than normal, which I'm not a fan of holding back as it is anyway. So, apologies to both of you. Uh, for you know being stuck on this, obviously Eric and Melissa, very very sorry, but I'm also not sorry. Sorry, welcome to the fucking real world club because shit's gonna get fucking firestorm.
2: Wow, real quick, oh, don't shit.
0: care. Dad. I just subscribed to your YouTube. It looks fantastic. That's awesome. It really, it, it's really been,
2: it's cool. Been a, it's been a solid, like what, like half a year for you. Like, are are you guys appropriate
1: uh, to like a mark? Ah, uh, hold on. Barry, Jesus. When do we start doing the the, the web series? I, I could tell you. over here like Janu- January, February, yeah. January, February,
2: yeah. So, so it's yeah. only been wow. like a few months. If you guys like really blown up in popularity, which is really awesome. I.
1: You know what? I wouldn't. I here's and here's the thing is I'll counterpoint that. I wouldn't say blown up. I would say that we have saturated properly within the local market. More than that,
3: okay. we haven't Dude, blown I, was, up.
1: I was gonna say it looks like
0: for just scrolling through the videos, everything's got between one and two thousand views. Which, considering you have a what? Uh, 837, on the 37th, uh, subscribers, that just shows a solid fan base where you have repeat customers of likely a handful of subscribers. That's a really good thing to have.
1: We have certain people that we interact with on a regular basis every single week where we put up a video. What I do is I hit upload on the video at like 12.01 Sunday night slash Monday morning and then by the time I wake up for work on... Monday morning we've already got like five six comments from people that we know like in Ireland or other areas of, of the United States that actually get up and we we kind of like start our week with them it's it's a tight-knit fan base we try to we, we legitimately interact with every single person that gets in touch with us. Through the YouTube channel, or on our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, and stuff like that, because we just kind of we have a real serious passion for hunting, for looking for toys, comic books, a general nostalgia of all that thing. So it's it's not a big following, but it's a very tight knit following.
2: All right, now see, and here's actually where I kind of want to get into my second subject that I had written down here, and that's keeping social media buzzing. Um, we've seen like a lot of great, great bands, a great um, brands being able to like uphold their their buzz. But one of the things right. that I think, um, Paul, you and I were talking, talking oh, about a while, while, while ago was um, with Man Overboard, one of my favorite bands. But if we were to compare their early stuff or um, when they were premiering stuff like Real Talk or their self-titled album, their buzz was at like a fucking high.
1: Just, yeah, like here's the cap at the top of the screen that was like up there. And, Absolutely. And, and,
2: and they were like breaking, they were breaking the, the, the records for like, you know, keeping like a strong social media buzz. Right. And you guys are doing really well with keeping a social media buzz and like I kind of want to have a discussion like what do you guys think goes I'm into a keeping ball, a buzz for your brand? Especially like, like in the music industry or because or, I mean like if you come out with a single and the music video and then you like you know go to shows, gotta right. pump that up. What else is there to there, there do?
1: Well so not, uh, in the world of 2015 slash 2016 social media you have to like take, a, take in account the fact that an average person's attention span is eight seconds or less.
3: Mine's 3.5. So i sorry,
1: what? You, so the average attention... Exactly. Yeah, thank you very much. Very good. <laughs> so when you're working prominently in social media, which is, you know, a band like Man Overboard does Lost Tape, Collective Records, and things like that, Man Overboard is a fucking amazing band. I've known the guys in Man Overboard for so long before Man Overboard was even like an itch in their dad's jeans, like that sort of thing. Like I've known these guys for a really long time. They're great guys. Their music is amazing. But regardless of anything, you have to evolve, you have to adapt, and you have to keep up with the times. To be able to stay relevant on social media, to be able to stay relevant in this day and day and age, you have to be very fast paced, you have to keep up with the trends that are going. And when we saw that Man Overboard did their self-titled and then, you know, there was heart attack and then they had there were so many there was there was so much going on in the world at that time that every now and then you reach a point where you're almost almost kinda like at your your cap, so to speak, before you need to almost I don't want to say reinvent yourself because you have to stay true to what you feel, but you kind of have to adapt with the way that the crowd is growing. Remember, if you're catering to a certain crowd 10 years ago, if you want to stick with that crowd, you have to change your views. And remember that a different generation also has different views at that different age 10 years before than than the generation afterwards. So it's a really confusing, oh, where the fuck do we fit in with everything? To be honest, I feel like Man Overboard has done that consistently better for going on...
2: They might be approaching their tenure soon. I would say,
1: like, let's say eight, nine years or so. They've kept up with it better than any band besides maybe, say, like, a title fight or Wonder Years or something like that. Mm -hmm. They've done very well with everybody in Man Overboard knows exactly where they started. They know where they're from, and they've Mm -hmm. never, ever Mm -hmm. once forgotten about that.
2: And and they've yet to go stagnant, too, which is, like, what I really... Enjoy it, because like a lot, a lot of the themes that like you know go along with the same music and pretty you know, much just their, their lifestyle, it's been the same, but they've like avoided growing stagnant.
1: Right, because it's – so at 32 years old, I still consider myself a kid from the music scene. Mm-hmm. When I was 16, 15, 16 years old, and I started going to shows regularly and I, I started playing shows, I started going to shows when I was 13 or 14, I referred to myself as a kid. I was going to shows with people who were 20 years old, 25 years old, and if you think about it, it's 10, 12, 14, 15 years older than I was when I was 13, 14, 15 years old. The underground music scene is a timeless, ageless uh, sect of a lifestyle. Uh, you know, oh, we talk about us kids, stuff like that. You know, oh, this is for all the kids and blah, blah, blah. I'm 32 years old and by no means am I the oldest kid that's doing it. There are people who have been doing it 20 years before I have. So what you have is you have a range of people who right now could actually qualify for AARP coverage.
3: <laughs> down
1: all the way to kids who barely just... don't know just, what AARP is. <laughs> right. And kids who just got their license six months ago. So it's a timeless, it's an ageless sort of medium that we go through, and I feel like a lot of people kind of lose sight of that at times is that to grow, adapt, and evolve over a 10, 15, 20, 30 year period is an extremely difficult thing to do while also holding on to your views, which Men Overboard has done coming up on their nine, 10 year anniversary or so. I really
0: like how you're talking about it in a cyclical nature, which I think a lot of people don't realize until they just have that life experience of seeing the same kind of things happen a couple of times. Um, going along with that, I feel like you're in a unique position of experience to talk about these kind of things where earlier you had mentioned, um, kind of feeling, not bummed about playing a show, but just kind of like, I don't, I don't remember the exact word you used, but kind of like, you played a show and it was kind of like, blah, or whatever. Could you describe what that's like? Because after, you say you're playing shows for 17 years. In my personal experience, I've been playing for about 14 years, and I kind of resonate to that where I'm like, sometimes you go to a show and you're just like, I'm just going to play my set. I'm just going to do my thing. Like, right. how, how, is, how is it for you after playing so many shows for so long?
1: Well, so regardless of whether it be a hobby, regardless of whether it be uh, a job that you have, a job that you've held for 15, 20 years, regardless of whatever it is, an aspect of your life that you've been repeating over and over and over again for over a decade and a half, close to two decades at a time, It can get tedious at certain times. You see the ins, you see the outs, you see the upsides, you see the downsides. I have, I was in bands before I was putting on shows, but I've been playing in bands almost as long as I was putting on shows. I haven't played in bands for about two, three years now. And seeing it from both sides of the coin, there are a lot of people who do shows and there are a lot of people who play shows. There is not a vast majority of people who know what both sides of the coin is like. I started out as a drummer, lugging my $1,200, <laughs> yeah, $1, $1,300 in equipment to a show in Boundbrook, New Jersey, when I was 17 years old, to play a show, to set up and get paid $20 out of it, 16, 17 years ago. To a point where now, I am the guy that puts on the show, I am Uncle Paul, that does the show, I make the flyer for the show, I book all the bands, I keep in touch with all of the bands from the headliner all the way to the opener, I care about the bands, I sit at the door, and if the show tanks, I pay the money out to the bands out of my own pocket, because I am not a pay-to-play promoter. It's tough. It's extremely tough, and it's extremely tedious on on your psyche, on your mental positivity, And regardless of what happens, at least in my mind with doing shows, no matter what happens, it's the promoter's fault. The bands have this excuse. The venue, if they're not a direct representative of the promoter, have this excuse. The sound guy was this. Uh, The security was this, this. The promoter is always at fault. You take a look at big major stories about, oh, this thing happened at this show. This band got screwed over. It always comes up, the promoter. So here I am, 32 years old. I consider myself fairly successful in life. I am a third semester of college dropout. However, I own two small companies that I own, that I do my own thing with. And I also work for another company, which is what I make my living. One of those small companies that I own, 1787 Collective right here, is one of my largest expenses that I have in my life because the way that everybody wants to take in shows this day and age is, oh, so we'll start paying you to show up at this show after you bring out 20 people or after you sell 30 tickets. Back when I was growing up and when I started doing these things, that sort of thing, especially around South Jersey, really didn't exist. We were all about, all right, we're taking the money at the door and we're going to see how the show goes. We don't ask people at the door, oh, who are you here to see? Who are you here to see? Because that pigeonholes people. If I want to go to see band A, B, and C out of band A, B, C, D, and E, yeah. I'd have to say one band and then that makes me choose a favorite over the two. Sometimes I don't have a favorite, sometimes I'm there to see an opener, sometimes I'm there to see a middle slot band, sometimes I'm there to see a headliner. The way that shows are done this day and age, they are done with the utmost cautiousness, so that way there is no possible way that the promoter takes a loss on the show that when it comes down to it, everybody loses in the end because no risk is taken from the band's end, from the promoter's end, from the venue's end.
0: Well, let me ask you this. With all the, essentially the shit, well, first off, thank you for being so open and honest, but also for being so, like, I don't want to say idealistic because you're, it's not you're not naive in any way, but right. being so true to the art form that you're like, you're not taking advantage of a situation you could easily take advantage of. And that's really, I and mean, that's cool of you, but it also promotes scenes a lot better. So let me ask you this, what's the silver lining of why you continue to go the integrity route? Is that, as opposed to not selling out and ripping people off, but I mean, as opposed to dropping it all together. What's the thing that keeps you doing this for so long?
2: Um,
1: to be honest, when this all started for me when I was a sophomore in high school, I didn't I didn't really have many friends. Um, I came from a point of very close, if not deeply into poverty level because I didn't really understand it as a young kid. I grew up in one of the upper middle, lower class, trailer parks in egg harbor township and at that time egg harbor township was it wasn't too bad of an area with a lot of new developments popping up and i was actually i I was picked on more than i would like to say you know i was overweight i was a poor kid bad hair bad clothes and things like that and then i remember hanging out with a friend of mine and over the course of a couple years finding this magical direction of somewhere where i felt like i mattered and that was in the underground music scene Band, you know f- discovering bands like the casualties strife the vandals less than jake things like that it, it it gave me a sense of purpose and it made me feel like wow the underdogs really do have a chance in this world for me the idealistic tendencies comes from the fact that i feel and i fear Deep down that no matter how bad things get, as far as Atlantic City goes, I, I can't give up on this because I know that regardless, there are still people, whether they be few or whether they be many, that, um, that still care, regardless of the era of social media, fast paced stuff. I've seen on multiple times and Ali, you can attest to this where we had a 1787 show and you were not familiar with the headlining band that was going on but you knew that it was a band that I grew up loving and then, Ali, I watch your face while you're up there with your camera and it's a bunch of people who are 10, 15, 20 years older than you just losing their minds and you're sitting there you don't know the words, which is perfectly fine, but you're you're in the fucking, you're in the thick of it. You're capturing the moment with your camera and you're enjoying every single second of it. And then you're like, dude, I wasn't really aware of this band before you booked this show, but holy shit. To me, I feel like regardless of how much we progress in technology, fast-paced, seeing this, seeing that, There is still a love to get down to the nitty-gritty of DIY. That's kind of the generation that, you know, myself, I was born from, and you, Eric, you're kind of on the tail end of that if you think about it. We're the only generation, Eric, that knows the analog era and the digital era. We were born and raised on antenna cable television, we didn't have cell phones when we were growing up, we know about 8-bit video games, and then we slowly transfer from VHS into DVD to Blu-ray to all digital. So there is a certain generation that exists, and I feel strongly that it's my generation, that no other generation, as far as modern civilization goes, knows the benefits of the analog age over into the digital age. And I feel like our generation knows how to appreciate on both ends. Um, In a sense, I'm old school to where I like to do flyers, where I like to do, you know, hey, just show up, we'll make sure you guys get money, we don't do pay-to-play. But I also heavily rely on social media, on internet means of communication and things like that, and working on it. So it's a nice hybrid, but man, I tell you what, I've been doing shows for literally more than half my life i started at 15 i'm 32 years old now i've had amazing years i have had horrible years 2014 into 2015 was horrible and i almost gave up so many times i can't even count but what worries me especially in this area in atlanta county if i stop doing it Who's going to keep doing it? And to that point, to end this silly little fucking rant that I go on... No, this has been
0: wonderful. you goddamn kidding
1: me? Keep going. It's, It's... I'm scared that... I've seen flyers from five years before I was born about shows in Atlantic City. And I'm scared that if... Someone doesn't keep this uh, cyclical motion going of generation passing down a generation, it's gonna stop altogether. And to be honest, right now, I don't know who else would take over if I were to just say, "I'm done," and that terrifies me. So, as I can get very Lewis Black-ish <laughs> about the jersey sheet about the jersey scene, I still care more than I can even put into words, but certain things really fucking grind my gears. <laughs>
0: well, that's, well, that's awesome. Thank you for, for telling us all that. That gives a really good perspective, and I mm-hmm. love, your, love, your, love your take on it. It's nice. It definitely got me it's, worked up. It's, 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 it's,
1: it's, a, it's a cautiously optimistic, pessimistic, yep. fuck you view of things. It's yep. like, I'm, I'm positive about it, but this is what really fucking pisses me off. And not to, yeah.
0: I was like, oh, we can make it later in a minute, but I was like, I don't know, let's let's keep getting dark. Um, I think if you don't do it, or if so, whatever, in any scene, the wolves take over. The people, I've seen it happen in my hometown of Baltimore, the second all of the kids went to college, or graduated, or whatever it was, right. and who stopped putting on like the hall shows and the, the, the small bar shows, right. it was the slimy car, used car salesman, no offense to used car salesmen, but that's the stereotype, (laughs) would come in and go to the venue. Well, I can actually just do this for you for free. You don't even have to hire a promoter for the venue. I'll just do it. And it's just been, it was just a fight, like, my bands book their own shows, and it's been such a fight to try to even get those shows done without going through a slime ball who can somehow try to turn a headlining set into a pay-to-play. Like, it's the, it's, yeah. But, yeah, keep keep up keep well, up I mean, the like, fighting, man. That's I don't think
2: we've seen anything along the lines of that in the, the, this area. The one thing that I can say about the South Jersey area is that, like, we do have a good, passionate amount of kids that will come out to shows, that will show their, their, their support, that try and keep it inclusive. But also, in the same token, really, really keep it inclusive to their area.
1: And right, like, that's so,
2: another- yeah,
1: extremely. South Jersey is a very segmented area for different scenes. So, I will always put an example of one of my favorite groups and scenes of the entire New Jersey area. That is the Hamilton, ATCO, Your Persona, Grand Air Booking, and Me Versus I area. This nucleus of people is one of the most dedicated sects of humans that I've ever seen in all my years of doing it. You have Jose and all the guys from Grand Air Booking that do their festivals and everything. And it's amazing. Their shows do great. Mm-hmm. However, and it's a big however, when do you necessarily see that entire massive group of 200, 300, 400 kids that go to Hamilton, Echo shows appear at a show in Atlantic City or in Brick Township when one of their bands isn't playing? And now it isn't anything against them. It is more so the advancement of the culture of the shows. These kids, this entire... And I call them kids with a very light term because anyone that's younger than me, I end up calling them a kid. And it's, not a derog- it's not a derogatory term. It's that it, it's kind of been born and bred that way. The South Jersey area has grown up so segmented and so, like, pocketed that... If, if the show isn't within... 25, 30 minutes of your house There's no incentive that you could possibly give them to go now This may be different for other scenes And I have seen to an extent that it is a bit different here and there depending on the state But Mm -hmm. at least from the generation that I come from I remember driving to Baltimore To or no not even Baltimore Havre de Grasse Maryland to watch a bunch of bands that I knew were gonna kick the shit out of me the second I walked in the door Like, I remember going into these shows and like, well, I don't know if I'm going to leave this show in one piece or not. That's the way shows were in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in New York, in Baltimore, and in Delaware. You didn't know if you were going to make it home in one piece from these types of shows. What
0: year are you talking about, or years, just uh, so I can get a feel for it?
1: The best slash worst year, and I want to say... It's not a bad thing. Best slash worst. The the most frustrating and violent years that I remember were from probably two thousand up until maybe two thousand and three or so.
0: Okay, I'm very happy. Those are the years that I was in high school, going to shows in Baltimore and Philly areas, and for certain, it depends on the show, the genre, whatever it was. But yeah there were there could be some uh, some rough times. I've definitely left multiple shows cuz I had to take somebody to a hospital. <laughs> like, oh no, abs-
1: no, absolutely. And things have definitely changed quite a bit from back then up until now. Yeah. And I you know, if someone was ever injured or you know, worse at a show, yeah. the, sh- the the show would carry on without them. And now, you know, we have seen uh, there's a certain term that goes around that starts with a P and ends with an ossification about the generations that have come and gone. I thought you were the gonna VCs. say starts with
0: a J and ends with an Ois manor. Yeah, right. No,
1: no. It's you know you've wow. seen yeah. You, yeah. You've, you've 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 seen a bit of a change in the mindset and the ethic of the shows these days. But I legitimately remember going to shows and wondering, wow, what am I gonna come home with this time? But It was honestly, it was part of the excitement that drew us towards the show. And I am I am one hundred percent concrete in the fact that there is no scene in the punk and hardcore world that can match what it was like to go to shows in New Jersey between the mid to late nineties and like two thousand and three. There is no other scene.
0: For perspective stuff, and this is something I can be way off base, this is just something I've observed. And I've kind of theorized for the last handful of years. Do you think there was uh, in the early 2000s that like a lot of September 11th and an increase in world or U.S. interest in politics uh, strengthened why we had such a big like punk uprising movement? Uh, Or do you think it was just coincidence? Because I noticed that a lot of people compare that time like you just did to what it was like when punk first came about. And it was like this brand new, exciting, but dangerous time. And I wonder if that's because there was just this influx of interest in politics and a protest culture with the Iraq war
1: and whatnot. Well, but also if you take a look at when, unfortunately, you know, when September 11th happened, and, you know, obviously I remember exactly where I was the second that it happened. I'm sure everyone else here does. It, it, it's it's not necessarily the, the advent of the September 11th occurrence. If you're looking at the way technology was going, look at the way interactivity on the Internet was going, where the anything that you felt and were doing and you could say and you could post your opinions on the Internet was really coming to light. Before these days, you had message boards. You didn't have necessarily the MySpace. I remember when I signed up for Friendster, I'm really fucking dating myself now, you know, and there was Friendster, there was Makeout Club, and then there was MySpace, and it was like, oh, well, there's Facebook, but that's for college kids. I'm not in fucking college. I think the fact that it went hand in hand with September 11th is a bit of a coincidence, but if you also take a look at the fact that rabies from Warzone died on September 11th a few years prior, <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of resonated with people Deeply in the hardcore community because they lost one of their most coveted, one of their most influential frontmen of the punk and the hardcore world. If you look at Warzone, they're right up there with bands like fucking Bad Brains, Agnostic Front, and other bands that grace CBGBs back earlier in the day. It's... I don't want to say it directly affected, but then again, I don't... I know a lot. And every now and then I'll say I know everything, but I don't know everything... But, I, I, you know, there's a certain amount that goes into coincidence and there's a certain amount that goes into actual fact. I think with the way that this all worked out, it was honestly kind of a bit of a hybrid of both.
0: Dude, now that you mentioned Warzone, I was going to mention this earlier because something else alluded to it. Uh, there was uh, – you guys ever read the hardtimes.net?
1: It's like, what, the onion, but It is, uh, oh my god, it is the onion right, for that, punk and hardcore, it is so amazing. I love <laughs> it, it's my favorite thing. So, the man that well, they
2: came up with that idea is just fantastic. Well, there was,
0: the, the one they put up today was, uh, it was like, um, something like 30, 30 year old hardcore kid tried as an tried adult. As an adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and And That's it good. was like, and, the, and the, the guy's defense lawyer was like, uh, look at my client, your honor, he's clearly a minor he wore wear a war zone shirt to court.
1: And that could be said for people who are in their mid-40s right now, because <laughs> they, regardless of anything, there is an ageless mentality to this whole world that we live in. People who are 15, 16 are hanging out with people who are 40, 45, 50. And in really other circles that. and in the normal world, and I say normals as in you know exactly what I'm talking about, it's frowned upon, and it's actually sometimes people will call the police on others for hanging out in these certain groups. Within our world that we lived, it is perfectly acceptable because it is a timeless, ageless. It
2: transcends age. You yeah.
1: Exactly, it transcends everything. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. Ollie, yeah,
0: yeah. I have to, I have to do my, I, I do my thing. I figured I'm
2: like, ooh, Eric's a little overdue. I stayed an extra ten.
0: Um, yeah, dude, it was so great talking to you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Ollie, for having me again. I'm so glad to be back, and I will catch you all soon. I love you all. No right. And we'll be friends. All right, bye guys. All right, that's see you great,
2: man. man. All right, so um, we still have time for a few more, more, more questions. I guess we could take this time to be, be like a, what, like a, a scene roundhouse discussion
1: i like eric he's uh he's got a nice naive positivity to him he's
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, eric, well, you know it's it's, it's crazy because like eric grew up in, in a different scene he's currently in a band um he's been kind of our um our punk punk dad for babe talk for the longest time and it's very interesting to see his perspective because like he has a different perspective of what i have because i have only like what the um quote-unquote defend pop punk times whereas eric had like the pennywise no effects sell at warp tour mentality mm-hmm of how the the sea, the sea scene works so it, it's still like a good give and take but Eric yeah one of our, our best he's been with us since like day one
3: yeah.
2: so um so yeah um, we can still keep, keep going Um, the one thing that I, I did want to ask you and you've touched on so many points earlier in the evening um, before we kinda let, 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 let you go because we had some great things um, mm-hmm. You're afraid that the scene will end up going um, by the wayside if you don't continue to have a hand in it, but of course it comes down to the promoter, but also does come down to the scene in which we inhabit. What are we missing that needs to kind of revive exactly what once was?
1: Appreciation. That's it. It's appreciation. It's a matter of respecting the fact that people you know, whether it be know them well or know them on the outskirts, took the time, their own money, to learn to play these instruments, to learn how to form all those instruments into songs, put their heart and soul into it. And all they want to do is they want to see people react to the way that their music comes across mm-hmm. there is nothing on this earth like going to a show nothing a punk show a hardcore mm-hmm. show a metal show an indie show a pop punk show it's all it all started from the same bands all this shit started from the same exact bands and there's so many people who simply don't appreciate that because They can download the music online. Or they can go to a record store or a distro table. And it's just so disheartening and to a certain point infuriating that so few people appreciate the analog connection that you hold with people in bands when you're like a foot away from them. And you're feeling their energy come at you from the stage. That's what this was all built on 35, 40 years ago. And people... In this generation that's coming up, I personally feel, correct me if I'm wrong, appreciate it less than any generation that has come before them. Not to say that there's no hope, but from what I've seen as someone who has watched multiple generations come and go, when I see someone who is 18 or 19 say... They talk to a promoter and they're like, yeah, we want to play your show because we're stoked to help bring the scene back to what it was. I heard those yeah. words spoken really? by, by a kid who hadn't hit puberty yet a few weeks <laughs> ago.
2: <laughs> a few weeks ago, even. that.
1: And wow. it just, to an extent, bothers me so bad that so much can be dictated and influenced by tumblr by social networks and things like that i don't have anything against tumblr listen i work in social media i make a living off of social media i'm a big proponent for it but there are certain things that nothing can beat being face-to-face yeah. analog connecting with someone can ever be and i'm worried that this current generation and demographic of the Underground scene the independent music is in a weird fucking state that needs to get its head out of its ass
3: Well, I'm gonna actually tag off of um, Ollie's question, but because me I'm Pretty young. I'm like basically just on the cusp of the analog versus the digital. I When DVDs and blu-ray started to replace VHS's I was like 10 not even so I was right on that cusp. I saw I saw the evolution um, and yeah. full front, like full force. So, how and I under I completely understand how a lot of kids they don't appreciate going to a show. I'm one of those people, I'm one of the worst textures on the planet of Earth because I would rather call somebody or I'd rather like go to a show and talk to them face to face. And how do we get people to how do we get kids to is a two part question to appreciate and to understand the analog versus the digital and understand their face-to-face contact, and in addition to that, I know you said that technology has a lot to do with it, social media has a lot to do with it, but do you also think it might be a mentality and upbringing, a political standpoint, um, political correctness? Is there any other external influences that you think are the reason why there is such this disconnect between generations?
1: Well, let's take political correctness and let's fucking crumble that bad boy up and shoot that over into the wastebasket okay. because That's in this day and age one person's political correctness is saying a word that another person will start an internet tirade over one person's definition of political correctness is completely different from another and mm-hmm. I feel that unfortunately and I will stand by this that every person who has an internet connection thinks that they have the right to an opinion mm-hmm. let that sink in for a second and. If it comes down to the fact is that i feel genuinely that you are a lot, you are entitled to your opinion respectively to what you contribute okay there
2: you go if uh, you yeah, contribute
1: if you contribute nothing and you just sit there and hit reblog on tumblr all day every single day <laughs> if i see you on the internet complaining about what should happen at shows and what shouldn't happen at shows. Like, your opinion is invalid to me. I feel as though, such as myself, my, my generation, when I was 16 years old, I got my first cell phone. I still have that same exact cell phone number. I was just coming into my adult adolescence point. I don't know what it's like to not have computers whatsoever I grew up as a child coming into the early days of computers, Mm -hmm. but things like the internet, things like, uh, you know, coming into social media. As a kid, I vaguely remember not having them and what it was like to go to someone else's house to try and find them or finding someone else's house number, memorizing people's phone numbers or having that little black composition book with their phone numbers. But I think that there's a certain point where you can't pull a generation back 30 years to say hey this is what it was like you need to live by these standards I don't I don't think that in this day and age exactly with the way we are oversaturated with technology from all points that you can really make people say listen I need you to see how it is my way 15 20 years ago because they're like Right, fuck you, dude, I'm just going to donate to this GoFundMe page. Like, it's it's a completely different world. It's tough to make people from a previous generation or two previous generations in a certain culture. You know, because take a look at the generations of the music scene. In my eyes, it's always kind of been like that five to seven year cusp. You kind of call it a di- bit of a different generation. It kind of goes in sex. And if you look at the trends in music, it actually kind of follows that. I don't think it's going to be easy to get previous generations to respect the previous ideologies beyond preaching about it on the internet which everybody will preach about oh this and that and this on the internet but then when it actually comes down to it I watch you sitting at a show on your phone snapchatting the band as they're playing like this and then sitting there sending it to all your friends I'm a big proponent of social media but I don't have a snapchat you know that's the one social network that I don't really do and I've considered in 2016 giving people cover charge and ticket discounts for checking their phones in at the door. Wow. To where, yeah. give me your phone at the door and I'll give you 3 or 4 or $5 off a of cover because I just want you to get in there and I just want you to see the world around you. I don't want you to do this. And the reason I say that is because I do this. I'm looking at this thing day in day out because of my job because it's what I've been hired by multiple businesses to do and it's what I do is my main income but I also know the glory and the benefit of not having this be the center of your world
3: yeah.
1: a lot of people don't mm-hmm. and I've been out with people at diners hangouts movies and stuff like that and I'm just enjoying the movie and I look next to me and I see this just the glowing screens. Yeah. Granted, again, I'm on my phone all the time when it comes down to it for work, but cherishing those moments where you don't have that digital attachment to you is more than anything. And I genuinely considered giving people discounts for cover charge and ticket prices for checking your phones at the door. Yeah. As far as making people see my way, I'll never be able to do that. I don't think I've ever been able to do that in 17 years of doing it. That's why so many people think I'm a fucking dickhead. I get it, I understand, but I have my feelings. Other people have theirs, and I feel like the reason why I've gotten to a certain point is because I have my views, and I haven't compromised on them. Whether people like it or they don't, I still have my views. Yeah.
2: So, so here's where I, I think we'll 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 end on. And um, as a final qu- question, um, we all have real, realistic expectations of what we want to kind of kind of see for um, on a smaller scale, and like city scene. Um, on a larger scale we're all in it just like, like, like you know see each other's bands prosper and stuff on the of that um, what is your perfect picture of a scene let's say like five years from now
1: is this to me or is this to Melissa uh, to, to you Paul My perfect view of a scene in five years from now, which will mean I'm 37 and a half years old, is that people from respective scenes within a couple hours of each other will willingly travel to another show to see local bands and not be influenced by people that run the scene And dictate where people can go whose bands they can go see whose shows they can go play and what shirts they can wear at said show if anyone says that that doesn't happen in 2015 you're a fucking idiot you're not paying attention and you're not seeing the big picture because one of the biggest problems is in this day and age oh dude yo don't play that show for because said and I think that is or hey man whatever you do don't book because my friend said that it's everybody here and this is just me noticing it in the tri-state area in the Northeast over the past few years, is everybody wants to kind of tiptoe over the boundaries, and the boundaries are unofficial, but obviously they're they're still boundaries nonetheless, is that if you don't go to shows in a certain area, if you don't book shows in a certain area, who the fuck are you to tell anyone in that different area about what can go on in their area. The fact that there are people overstepping their boundaries and trying to dictate what happens in a large area outside of their area is cancerous to the scene. Everybody's supposed to work together. If you have an issue with someone, work it out. Don't start hashtags to talk shit on the other group. Don't talk, start a passive aggressive Facebook campaign to undermine the creative work of other people, whether they be bands, venues or promoters. Just if you got a problem working out with someone, every, and I'll say this from a firsthand account, there are people that have problems with me. To this day, I truly don't know why some people have their problems with me. I don't understand it. But since I've started out doing all of this, I've been the most open, the most understanding, and honestly the most humorous, and maybe that's a problem that kind of got me, you know, into certain situations type of person, but I've always been willing to work it out. And there are certain aspects of doing things in the northeast scene where you just you know for some reason people just can't let go of their their egos their you know their personas so to speak and i've always just been the guy to kind of put myself out there and i've had people i've had people come knocking at my door to say hello and i've dealt with it on a case-by-case basis Mm -hmm. If anybody says that there's nothing wrong with the scene in the Northeast, they're extremely wrong.
3: Yeah.
1: And they're simply not paying attention.
3: Yeah.
1: There are bands from areas close to here that I would love to have play Atlantic City. Bands that I still love, but it's like, oh, I can't book that band because they all hate me which sucks because I still really like that band and I love their music and I love their message. But these,
2: fucking, but,
1: but these fucking people hate me, which is awesome. That's great and that's cool. Awesome. Like there's a certain point where, all right, how long are we going to hold this grudge? How long are we going to hold this issue in front of someone? And whether it be me whether it be someone else, you know, this is just a general statement that like, if we're not all in this for the same cause, why is anyone even doing it?
3: And a question that kind of come. Oh, continue if you're gonna say something. No, 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 no. I mean I could
1: I could literally always continue, little... but yeah, no, trust me, it's. Yeah.
3: Okay, makes sense. Um, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but it's kind of a question to you. At what point does a grudge, um, hinder the fact that you're not gonna get playing time? Like that's something that I don't understand. <clears throat> Maybe you could shed light on it. I don't know.
1: Uh, could, if you could, could you shed light on the question for me? Because I kind okay. of understand, but I'm like, yeah. I, think
3: I it's mean, like... so you're saying that this band that you really like their music, but they're not going to book with you because you don't, because they don't like you. At what point does that become? Oh, so we don't like this person, so we can't play in Atlantic City. So. Therefore, our music isn't going to be exposed to a lot more people, and therefore that could be a potential hindrance of an opportunity to get our music out there.
1: So, to be completely blunt, in the grand scheme of things, think about how much Atlantic City matters
3: okay, well, maybe... in the scene. Okay.
1: So, and to, <laughs> to kind of piggyback on that, it is all about who has the most approval, who has the sickest merch designs, and who has the sickest pits called on video. I have seen bands with horrible music, like, legitimately terrible music, and, and that's opinion-based, again, I will always say opinion-based, get so far in life, and I feel like I have a fairly good ear for this type of music. To see really good bands just kind of get left in the dust because they simply don't nuzzle up to the teeth, so to speak, of the right people,
3: okay.
1: or they don't associate with the right people. At a certain point, a, an essence of futility comes into, like, well, what does it fucking matter anyway? And as far as Atlantic City goes, I got Asbury Park up here. I got Philly here, and I'm Atlantic City down here. Think about the shows in the history of Atlantic, of uh, Asbury Park. Yeah. Think about the uh, shows in history of Philly. I went to more shows in Philly for like a seven, eight year period than I ever went to down here because the Philly shows were fucking amazing. and I love them. Think about those areas compared to our area. I can fight and I can try. And I can give my blood and my sweat and my tears to the greater good of what I consider our scene, my scene, I hate to say my scene, someone's gonna quote me on fucking Reddit like, oh, he said the Atlantic City is his scene. <laughs> the, no. the,
2: the, the fact no. that you think that this even might
1: show up on Reddit is just tickling. Well, you know, it, regardless, crazier things have happened. The fact that I am competing with areas that have such a A much richer history a much more recent positive vibe to them than our area does it's tough it's an uphill battle all the time and at certain times I'm just like why do I even bother but again there's a part of me that just can't stop
2: I, I seriously do do think that goes alongside with that. It's just like there's also a lot of politics that go along with it. I mean, like, just just like anything else, like, if you have music, movies, um, if you have a certain clique that likes to collect, I don't know, baseball cards, there's still going to be one that I would prefer to have, like, you know, um, these amount, amount of people exclusive to it compared to the others.
1: Right. But when you have a demographic and a crowd that would rather – drive 56 miles up the expressway pay for the gas pay for the tolls pay an inflated show cost because it's a larger venue, buy $9 beers the gas for the ride home, the tolls for the ride home rather than go to a show that's 10 minutes from where they live, taking place in Atlantic City, there's a serious problem so either that problem is nobody has faith in the scene or nobody has faith in the people who are doing things in the scene. And I've kind of come to a bit of an unfortunate happy middle ground which leads me to believe it is a combination of people don't believe in Atlantic City scene and people don't believe in me anymore which what? if that if if that's the case, I understand at a certain point, every dog has its day, every now and then a an old yeller needs to be put out to pasture. <laughs> I get it, and I, I I understand that certain ideologies and the people. From my generation, so to speak, the kids that I grew up with, and I still say kids at 32 years old, the amount of people that I see at shows that I started going to shows with, if I'm lucky, I'll see three or four, five, and we always get a picture together. Younger siblings of those kids will come out, or just nobody will come out in general. Atlantic City itself, if you think about it, doesn't have a scene. That's gonna sound like a weird phrase. Think about the amount of people who live in Atlantic City. Atlantic City has thirty five, thirty six thousand year round residents. How many of those kids are wearing fucking terror and first blood, acacia strain, men overboard shirts that live in Atlantic City?
2: Way more than you think, because you had to take into consideration the the county itself and not just the city.
1: But I am taking into account the city, and this is why. Because if I were to do a show in Atlantic City, and then I were to do a show four miles across the land bridge in Absecon, yeah. yeah. Pleasantville, Egg Harbor Township, I would get three times easily the amount of turnout, simply because the show isn't. In Atlantic City.
2: And I follow what you mean. okay.
1: Where I live right now, the house that I moved into that you've been to, Ollie, yeah. is five, six minutes away from the house that I grew up in. I am from just outside of Atlantic City, one of the first suburbs outside. I remember going to shows here at Kingpin Lanes in Egg Harbor Township. It was the first show that I ever went to. I had no idea what I was doing. I was wearing Jenko's. I was wearing a a wallet chain that hung down past my knee, and I tripped over middle of the show, a corduroy jacket, and my hair was long, blonde, and downy here. I'm not even kidding. I have pictures of it to prove it. (laughs) But I know that when I was a kid, there was no such thing as shows in Atlantic City. If there were shows in Atlantic City, it was filled with people who were very hateful, who were very judgmental who were very prejudiced and who didn't want people like me in the scene so here i am four years ago or so started booking in atlantic city directly in atlantic city whereas before i was booking inland in the main areas and i just noticed an immediate change In it. we've had amazing shows i'm not gonna lie we've had amazing shows but it's a fight because atlantic city itself has been part of a stigma for over 30 years in the punk and the hardcore scene for not being a friendly place to go. Yeah, And that's 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 the long and short of it. It's been an uphill battle and there are many times that I have considered just I'm not doing this anymore. I can't do this. I can't. And it's not like I need like a pat on the back, kudos and appreciation and all that stuff, but it's like I just want to know that people care. The fact that I book a band like Fishbone, and you were there, Ollie. Yep. I book a band like Fishbone in Atlantic City, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Fishbone, Melissa, but you know, Fishbone is a band that, put it this way, not only have they influenced a countless amount of punk, hardcore, and indie rock acts, bands like Red Hot Chili Peppers, No Doubt, and stuff like that, They cite Fishbone as a direct influence to why they exist as a band. I book Fishbone at a gorgeous venue in Atlantic City. It only fits 300 people, but it's gorgeous. Ollie, you've seen it. Very nice theater-style type stuff. We take the seats out. I have 120 people show up to this show after months of promotion. The agency company fucked me on booking another show that violated the radius clause. The promotion from the band wasn't where it's at. The The venue was owned by Stockton, and half of the people that are alumni of Stockton grew up listening to this band, and we still had barely 100 people show up. And I ended up losing three months' worth of my rent on the show because I don't have a financial backer. I book my shows to each show and any given show i could be on top of the world or i could be in the deepest hole because i don't have a bank account that coincides with doing these shows i just i do it on blind faith and it's a labor of love and it seems as though current generations who are excited to do this sort of stuff don't know the ins and the outs, truly, because they, they're scared to actually get into it when they just want to say, oh, I'm a promoter, I'm going to do this and that, but mm-hmm. I'm not actually going to do anything. Yeah. It seems to me that there's a serious lack of accountability and a lack of actually standing up for what you believe in this day and age. Again, that's just me. Other people may see it differently, but then again, a lot of my opinion comes from so many years of experience. I've been told I'm wrong. I've been told I'm an asshole <laughs> many times. I don't care. I don't care. I, I I. look out for people, and I look out for here. It's gone well. It's gone terribly. It's gone the best of both worlds. And it was it be- the best times. It was the worst times. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. And you know what? Every now and then I think, does anybody even fucking care? But then there are certain times that I think, wow, everybody cares. So, it's honestly a case-by-case basis. I have a couple shows booked. I have a couple shows that are almost booked for early 2016. And those early 2016 shows could be really cool shows. But if those shows don't actually end up coming to fruition, I can't guarantee how much longer this is going. Because, downright, I'm... I'm disappointed in the lack of show and prove, the lack of not just saying what you believe but standing up for what you believe and backing up your word and proving it to someone who has given their blood, sweat and tears for the scene for well over 15 years.
2: Now, just, just to show you the, uh, the flip side of it, because I don't think we've ever like had this discussion, and um, hey, my name's Ollie, and I'm just gonna kind of throw a little word vomit into here. Um, when I had came into um, quote unquote, the scene," I've always have uh, seen it from an outsider's perspective. I would see it on Tumblr, I would see it on um, different um, friends, fa- Facebooks and through um, stories and stuff. And I had no idea what an actual scene was up until I started seeing, um, I think it was three years ago during True Things' last set that they played over at the Boneyard, which I think it was um, Model Home and another hardcore band out of um, Alaska that was touring through and and coming clean. Um, The first show I ever shot because I had a camera and I'm like, you know what? I've seen people take pictures of concerts before. At that time, I was like, oh, there's a concert going on in NAC. And um, it was the most surreal. Because it was like something that I've never seen seen before. This is before I started going to Philly shows, this is before I started um, even having an uh, idea of what a musical scene even was. And it got me really interested. And, like, you know, like if this is happening in Atlantic City, this has to be happening in so many other places. And as the time progressed, I started going to more Philly shows and stuff along the, the lines of that. I saw how much of an um, inclusive community that 1787 collective um, community was. And then I saw how um, intrusive um, Grand Air was. Right. And if I never had that initial spark from 1787, I don't think that big talk actually would actually be a thing because of how, how, how much um, a community means to people like you. That the, um, A community means to people like Jose that actually put on shows along the lines of this. That give a damn. Because you guys are one of the few people that actually actively give a damn that make it easier for bands to put on stuff for. And for us normal people to actually go out and see. So I personally attribute a lot of things to 1787. That's why it was a huge thing to have you on the show and to kind of get some stuff off your chest and to kind of revive some energy back into things. Sorry for
1: hijacking everything. Holy shit.
2: No, 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 this is is literally just like, this was your soapbox. Kind of stand up and, um, hello people of Atlantic City, this is what's going on, so.
3: And even for somebody like me, I mean, I'm ten years younger than you, and there's still so much for me to know, and so hearing it from you, like, thanks, that's, I appreciated everything that you said, and very educational, definitely.
1: Thank you very much.
2: It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. So, um, I think the only thing that um, would go promotion-wise would be the, um, what, I believe, third year anniversary show? Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: What's that? (laughs) So, there was... This is technically the fourth year anniversary that we have. Fourth year, okay. 1787 isn't having a fourth year anniversary show this year. And it's the first year since we started... That I'm not doing it, doing one. And part of it comes from the fact that, number one, everybody wants so much money, I can't afford it, and I can't take the financial risk. Yeah, sure. And number two, as far as 2015 goes, I don't feel like anyone deserves it.
2: That's true. Well, 2016 will be a new
1: year. Um, Hate me if you will. We're going to try and come back and do a five-year anniversary show if we make it that far. But it's just 2015 was a year where, like, with the exception of, like, two shows, maybe three or so, my complete faith and hopes in this area were really kind of dashed by people who pretended to be allies and by people who kind of just stabbed us all in the back down here. Calling it like I see it, simple as that.
2: That's true. I mean, but like any other real good success story, From the Ashes Rises of Phoenix. Right. And and we do have those that are committed. You have me that's committed. So, I mean, I'm nothing but a black man from out of Galway, New Jersey. So I'm not sure how much of a pull I'll have. But I mean, like, hey, Paul, us.
1: I wish you'd <laughs> stop. <laughs> Doing that,
2: I'm so sorry, Paul. I wish
1: I wish you would stop doing that. There is no way that I can recover from that.
2: <laughs> hey guys, so that's been the episode. Um, again, round of applause between Melissa and I to Paul Brown of 1787. Um, we'll be che- checking up on things that you do. Of course, I'll always keep share sharing things. Um, if you have any special announcements that need to happen, you know, here it is.
3: I have
1: three very cool shows that will hopefully be happening before the first two months are over in 2016. Working on three. One is a New Jersey band. One is a Pennsylvania band. One is a band that's coming all the way from California. And that's all that I can say. And that's if I feel like doing them. Because from day to day, I'm not sure if I feel like doing it or not. But I'm going to give it my damnedest. And I'm going to try to keep partying down here as long as people care.
2: I'm hoping that by you saying keep partying, that was a big hint because that had happened before here. So, <laughs> Anyway, guys, that's Babe Baby Talk. I'm very glad to keep up. Um, next week, we're going to have Diet from New York come down, hopefully. Um, again, any sponsorship opportunities, uh, email me at ollie at babetalk.tv. And, um,
1: yeah, fuckers, we'll see you next week. All right. Good night, guys. All right. Good night.